Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello there, Cove Church. It is so great to be with you today as uh, we just get to continue to walk with Jesus together. You know, um, I anyone who knows me would understand that I am no expert when it comes to sports. Um, in fact, anyone that hears me say that right now is probably giggling just a little bit that I'm even bringing up sports. But I, I certainly am no expert when it comes to sports. But, but I would say this much I know, that in sports, you will at times hear a coach say something like, right now we're focusing on the fundamentals. You will hear a first-year kid sports coach say that, as well as even at times you'll see coaches in the pro league say something like that, which to my not-so-sporting mind reveals this truth. You never get away from the fundamentals. You might build on them, but you never lose them. Today we, we start a new series called Begin, and it's really a series about the fundamentals of faith, what it means to truly follow Jesus. It's so important because just as coaches would attest to the fact that you never get away from the fundamentals, this series reveals that Jesus also desires that we would never leave the fundamentals of faith because we understand that it's in those foundational truths that God actually wants to make all things new in our life, that God wants to make all things fresh. This is how he renews us day by day. So today... We're going to begin with one of those foundational truths, and it is the truth of relationship. We're going to begin with relationship. And that is such a key word because in discussions of faith, we might often hear the word religion, right? Personally, I have never, ever liked that word. Uh, Sometimes I get it. It is a shortcut to let people know we're talking about God and spiritual realities, But if there was a group of people that Jesus was the most critical of, it was the religious folks, right? So I really don't like being lumped in with the religious crowd. And let's face it, throughout history, horrible things have been done in the name of the religion of Christianity. Things that had nothing to do with Jesus. If we're honest... Jesus is amazing. Christianity can be a little rough, okay? Especially because it's possible to be very religious regarding Christianity and yet have no relationship with Christ. I've seen that truth expressed too often to ignore its validity. I've seen people who ascribe to great belief systems a belief system actually that I share, while at the same time what seems to come out of their life is the spiritual fruit of hatred and envy and arrogance and judgment, and the list goes on. These are the expressions of a religious heart. And I don't want that in my life. And often that is exactly what religion produces. Yet Jesus calls us to something greater. He calls us to relationship. Imagine with me for a moment a hypothetical. 
Um, let's say years ago, I'm in Barnes and Noble, I'm perusing the bookshelves, and I come across an amazing book. It's called Paula, my wife Paula. Paula, woman of grace and mystery. Oh, and I look at that book and I start to read it. Chapter one, strength of character. Yes, that's, that's who she is. Chapter two, boundless determination. Chapter three, unending patience, mostly regarding working through the issues of a flawed husband that will happen later in life. I go through all the chapters, I learn all about her, it's a great book, and what I walk away with is intellectual knowledge. But compare that to the experience I've had over the last 26 years of being married to Paula. I have experienced personal knowledge. I've experienced those traits in and through a relationship. That's what God wants for us. In fact, as Jesus said in John 15, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. That's what God is looking for. And, and the vehicle that we use for friendship with God is what we call prayer. And it's what God calls prayer. And it's not so strange when you think about it, right? We all have different vehicles for different friends in our lives. With certain friends, we use certain vehicles. Some friends, it's always a phone call. Other friends, my vehicle to connect with them is through texting. Still others are Facebook friends. And then I've got my gym friends, and I've got my work friends, and I've got bowling league friends. I don't have a bowling league. But still, you know what I mean. These are the, the friendship vehicles that we use, and it's different for every friend. So with God, our vehicle for friendship is prayer. And it's an amazing vehicle, because think about it. It is a direct line, and it's always charged with full bars, and you never leave the coverage area, and the recipient never sleeps. That's amazing. That's the vehicle of prayer between us and God. That's the type of friendship that God is offering to us in prayer. See, the Bible lets us know who God is, but prayer lets us know God. Now you think with that in mind, prayer would be just so easy, just so natural, just like riding a bike. We were made for this. It should, be just, it should come out so perfectly every time, but it's not like that, is it? I mean, what other activity can you be in the midst of doing it and you can forget that you're doing it, right? Like when I'm mowing the lawn, I don't suddenly forget I'm mowing the lawn and start to clean the garage as the lawnmower goes out through the neighborhood and it's running over bikes and shrubs and neighborhood cats. No, that doesn't happen. I know when I'm mowing, this is what I'm doing right now. But sometimes in prayer, it's like that. I'll be praying and suddenly I'm not praying anymore. Suddenly my mind has wandered off into silly things. You know, how long has that piece of pizza been in the fridge? What is kind of the deadline of edibility regarding that piece of pizza? I mean, how many days? Is three days too long in the fridge? Is it still good? Could I still have it today for lunch? All, all these things that, that can, we can fall prey to, all these distractions in the midst of prayer, even a fly buzzing loud. It's like he's got a, a megaphone, little fly megaphone. He sounds so loud when I'm praying. All of that taking place while well, I'm just trying to pray. So it can be tough and we can struggle. And so did the disciples, which is why one of them asked Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And the answer that Jesus gives is what we now know as the Lord's 
prayer. It's our model for how to walk out this relationship with God. And we in, here at Cove Church over the past few months have actually been saying the Lord's Prayer together, praying it together as part of our services every week. So some of you might even have this memorized now, which is so cool because this is what we're going to break down today in our framework for relationship. And as you'll see, this whole thing, it centers around a conversation with God, a dialogue that God wants to be as natural and as meaningful as your conversation with your best friend. We're going to be in Matthew 6, and the first understanding that Jesus wants to begin with is this. Prayer reveals who God is. It's the first thing. Let's look at Matthew 6, starting verse 9. It says this. Let's read it together. Big voices, go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, prayer by definition is looking to God. It's changing my view, where I'm looking, where I am seeking. And it's important because in doing so, I'm saying, you're God and I'm not. I'm looking to you. There is a dependency there. There's a desperation there that Jesus actually made it possible for us to have this personal relationship with the God of the universe. The God who created planets and solar systems, that's crazy. And so this for us should, should allow us to experience both an awe and an intimacy. God offers both to us. Take this idea, here's an image of Victoria Falls. Uh, it's on the Zambezi River in Africa. It is the largest waterfall in the world. It is a natural wonder so extraordinary that you can hear its roar from 25 miles away. When you look at that, you see two things. You see transcendent beauty and unimaginable power. That is the dynamic of prayer. Closeness with vastness, intimacy with the infinite. That's what we're invited to in prayer. That is the basis of prayer. But I want you to see what makes that possible. And it's the part that we often skip past in this passage. It's those first two words, our Father. Here, here's what's so different about this. If you were a rabbi, if you were a Jewish teacher, you didn't call God Father. You didn't do that. In fact, a German scholar researched uh, Jewish literature, and he discovered that in the entire history of Judaism, in all the existing books of the Old Testament, all the exist existing books of extra-biblical Jewish writings, dating from the beginning of Judaism until the 10th century AD, he found that there was not a single reference to a Jewish person addressing God directly in the first person as Father. There were, there were appropriate forms of address used by Jewish people regarding God, and children were trained to address God properly using these phrases of respect, and they would memorize those. But guess what? The term Father was not among them. In fact, the first Jewish rabbi to call God Father directly 
was Jesus. Huge departure from tradition. In fact, almost every time we see Jesus pray, he calls God Father. That's why the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him. You don't say that. They're saying, you can't call God Father. That's, that's too personal. That's too intimate. This is the eternal one. Heaven is his footstool. You don't, you don't say that. And Jesus is saying, yes, all of that is true. But this is the one who wants to be in your life as a father, a good father. And so we, we tend to just kind of run past the fatherness of God in prayer. And we must understand this is more than a, a quaint term. It's actually a place of legal standing. Because if God is my father, then I'm his son and you're his daughter. It means we've been adopted in, which means that prayer exists then within this framework of family, its closeness. We, we, we keep trying to make prayer this kind of transactional thing, but God says, no, this is totally a relational thing. In prayer, we're not just coming to the checkout clerk, like the infinite checkout clerk, and here's my list, and if you can take care of this, I'd like to check out now and move on. No, we're coming to our Father. Now, there's one thing I know about this concept that can be tough for those especially who would say, I, I didn't really have a good earthly father. So how am I supposed to connect to a heavenly father who says he's good? And, and I get that, I, I, I understand that. Um, but we have to be able to make this distinction to actually see that our heavenly father is different and that he actually is a good father, even if we haven't experienced a good father here. Because we see throughout scripture that, that the heavenly father stays and the heavenly father gives and the heavenly father cares and the heavenly father sacrifices and the heavenly father loves with everything, even if your earthly father failed at that. So sometimes God has to remind us what a good dad looks like. Now, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. I feel unique in this way. I, I had a good dad. Uh, he wasn't perfect by any means, but he was a good dad. In fact, um, one memory that stands out to me, in the eighth grade, if you can imagine, I, I tried out for the wrestling team. I joined the wrestling team in middle school. And <laughs> it, it went about as well as you can imagine that to go. Um, no one in my family had ever wrestled. That was not a part of our history. I mean, I'd seen it on TV, but I think that was a little different than what we were doing at the school. And, uh, and I remember coming home on the Friday after that first week, of wrestling practice and my dad had gotten all these like Gatorades and like protein drinks and and all this stuff and he had rented this movie called Vision Quest which to my knowledge was the only 1980s movie that uh, was about wrestling and we we <laughs> sat there <laughs> drinking Gatorade and watching this movie together none of us knew anything about wrestling we watched this whole movie and it was it was his way of saying, I don't get this, but I support you. Now, my wrestling career was very short, as you can imagine, but I knew his support of me was unending. Now, that to me is, is a picture, a glimpse of something a good father does. 
But Jesus says right after this passage something interesting. He says, even though you who are sinful, which we all are, and certainly my dad was, even though you who are sinful and evil, you can give good gifts to your kids. You can do that. How much more the good gifts of the truly good Father God? So no matter how great your dad was, the Heavenly Father is even greater. Even the best earthly dads are flawed, yet Father God is the perfect Father. And we can know him, and he can actually become our Father, even when we haven't had a great earthly father. And that Father God is so for you. Well, how how do we know that? There's so many ways in Scripture that God shows that he's for us, but here's one that stands out to me. Psalm 56 says that God keeps every tear we've ever cried in a bottle. Hmm. Now, some of you are like, that's probably a really big bottle because I've cried a lot. It's like a water tanker. Um, God still keeps them. Every tear, every tear you've cried, it matters that much to him. Why? Because he's a good father. He's that engaged in your life. So so here at the start of this teaching on prayer, Jesus is defining the relationship. He's saying this is family. This is a a father-child relationship. And we then hallow him. We respect him. We honor him. We revere him. What does that sound like? It sounds like praise. That's why here at Cove Church, whenever we start our services, we always start with with praise together, pointing our eyes and our hearts to Jesus. Why is that so important? It's because we remind ourselves of who God is, how big God is. And, And that's why praise is so critical. We take our eyes off of ourselves and we just place them on him. You are amazing. Because once we know how big God is, we realize that our problems can't be bigger. They can't be bigger than him. Remember, it's not about the greatness of our prayer. It's about the greatness of the one we are praying to. So when we pray, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a phrase of connection to the Father God who longs to be close to his children, because prayer reveals who God is. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Prayer restores who we are. Let's continue the passage, Matthew 6, starting verse 10 here. Ready, go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Notice uh, how much of this part of the passage affects me personally. It it speaks to my needs, doesn't it? It speaks to where my heart is at. God's kingdom come on earth, uh, daily bread, this idea of offering forgiveness. See, among the most significant things that prayer changes is the fact that prayer changes me. That's the direction shift here. It's starting to change me. Asking God to make his will my will, to make his plan my plan. And when God is allowed to change me, my prayers actually change. 
There's a story about a little boy. He was sent to his room because he'd, he'd been bad. And a short time later, he came out and he said to his mom, Mom, I just want you to know I've been thinking about what I did and I have said a prayer in response to that. She said, oh, that's so great, son. You know, if you ask God for help, he will absolutely help you. And, and, and if you ask God to help you be good, he's going to help you be good. And the boy said, oh, no, I, I didn't ask God to help me be good. <laughs> she said, really? Well, what did you ask God for? He said, I asked God to help you to put up with me. <laughs> Sometimes our prayers need to change which means we need to change. We need different prayers, different ways to approach life. And in that, we're actually inviting God's kingdom to affect my kingdom. Too often, I think our prayers, they're monologues, aren't they? We come to God, here's my grocery list of needs, so starting alphabetical. If you could do this, that would be great. If you can get on that now, God, thank you so much. I'll see you later. Could you imagine if that was your relationship with your kids? That they would just come to you, here's the list of things I need you to do for me. I'll see you later. Can you imagine? Prayer is so much more than that. This is supposed to be a dialogue, which means then I listen more than I speak. That in prayer, we experience this life-giving, transformative relationship that affects everything. But see, a one-way relationship is really no relationship at all. And God is saying, I want to pour into your life Every day, I want to talk with you. I want to share with you. That's why it speaks of, of bread and provision. It, it says it, it, doesn't give, it doesn't ask God to give me bread for the next 60 years. Would you give me bread for the next 60 years that I never have to talk to you again? No. It's saying daily bread, like manna in the desert, that where they couldn't save it and they couldn't store it because it would rot. It was on purpose. Why? So they wouldn't forget God. Every day, I need you. Daily bread. See, praying for daily bread means this. I have to trust what God will give instead of trusting what I can keep. Now why do that? For this reason. God wants to know us, not just feed us. God wants to know us, not just feed us. God's provision is relational, not just physical. You know, my, my grandparents, before they passed away, uh, they had this nice car, um, but they were living in, in a, a retirement home, a nice retirement facility, and it had shuttles and activities, and so they never drove their car. It just sat under this covered area and just sat there. And, and yet, every three months, like clockwork, my grandpa would take the car to get its oil changed. And my grandma would make fun of him and say, you know they're just draining the oil out of our car to put it into somebody else's car, because it hasn't changed, it hasn't been driven for three months, and you're having it changed anyway. But then I noticed something. When grandpa went to change the oil, he got to talk to the guys at the shop. He got to connect with them. He got to get out of the house. He, he got to get away from grandma. <laughs> and I realized it wasn't about taking care of the car. It was about connecting with people. 
We think God's provision is just about taking care of the car, just taking care of the need, just taking care of the lack. It's really about connecting with us. God's value is to know us, and God's provision is, is another chance to build relationship. It's another vehicle to connect with us. It's another way to change us. That's really what we need, isn't it? We need God's voice and God's activity in our lives. And the, the Bible calls that experience conviction, that God actually speaks and we listen. And if in that we would be moldable, if we would be an adjustable people, there then is no work that God can't do in us because prayer restores who we are. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Prayer releases what God does. Prayer releases what God does. The end of the passage, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Guess what? Prayer can actually change things. Prayer can actually change my circumstances. Deliverance actually does take place. God actually does show up as we pray. Miraculous things do still happen. Healing still happen. God still brings miracles. As I lift my eyes to God, God does respond. It was a little while ago, a few years ago, I remember visiting my mom. And I was in one room, she was in the kitchen, and my mom is an outward processor, and, uh, and especially even, even more so now, she just, you know, is constantly kind of chatting. And I can hear her in the kitchen, and I started laughing because I thought she was talking to the dog, but then I listened a little closer and I realized that she was talking to the cottage cheese. <laughs> Not like a crazy person, right? But like, okay, and you cottage cheese, you're going to go there. It was like that. And I, I started laughing. I said, Mom, did you, did you just talk to the cottage cheese? And she said, no, well, yeah, I did. But don't worry, it didn't talk back. <laughs> Here's the great news regarding prayer. When we pray, God talks back. He always responds. Let me give you some examples. Psalm 3, verse 4. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given. Prayer changes things. Changes circumstances. Changes me. Let, let's imagine it this way. Let's imagine you and another person uh, fall overboard off of a cruise ship. You're having a great cruise ship experience, but sadly you fall overboard, you're out to sea, and it's just you and this other person, you're out to sea, the cruise ship is long gone, they haven't thought about you, you're just now out there alone in the ocean, okay? You're treading water. At that moment, you're not looking to that other person that's with you to save you, are you? No, they're in the same boat as you are. They're in the same circumstance as you are. No, they can't save you. We're in this together. So what are you looking for? You're looking for someone outside the circumstance. You're looking for another boat. You're looking for a helicopter, a pelican, anything to save us and get us out of here. Anything outside of my circumstance to save me, to deliver me, to redeem me. Here's the great thing. When we pray, 
We are praying to the God of all creation, the King of Kings, the infinite one. He can change my circumstance because of this. God is not in my circumstance and can therefore have an effect on my circumstance. He can deliver me. He can redeem me. So the question is, will I call on him? God is wanting to show up in my life and God is wanting to show off in my life. But how often do I run ahead alone? But what if in, 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 in my relationship with God, I actually decided to seek him for greater things? What if we believed that God would do more than any of us can imagine in our lives with the power that he wants to bring to our circumstance. If we actually believe that, I think that would change our churches. I think that would change our communities. I think it would change the world. What if we actually were desperate enough to want God above everything else? You know, I've been hearing these stories of revival taking place in places like Iran, you know, where it really clamped down, really difficult. Side note, often God's revivals happen in places where, where Christians or Christ followers are most persecuted. That's often how it has happened historically. And it gives me hope, even as things change in our world here in America, it gives me hope. But, but I'm hearing these stories in Iran of, of drug dealers and prostitutes having dreams and God is showing up and speaking to them and they're giving their lives over to Jesus in an environment that is very much anti that. And, and I even heard a story of a, of a man who was living out in the desert and some folks went to visit him. And he's just out there in the desert. It's this place with, with really no running water, no electricity, no, no satellite dish, nothing. I mean, just out there, right? And he starts to tell them that every night in his dreams, a man comes to him and, and talks to him. And so he just started writing down what the man said in his journal. And they said, oh, could you, could you show me the journal? He said, sure. He shows him the journal. And written in his journal is word for word, the book of John. These are the things that God does when we get desperate. How are those things happening? Well, yes, obviously God's sovereignty and he's choosing to do that, but also it's the prayers of God's people. People who are desperate, who will settle for nothing but God. They'll say, I don't want anything else, I just want you. And God responds to hearts like that. Why? Because he hears the cries of the brokenhearted. Would we come to God like that? Because prayer releases what God does. I'll wrap up with, with this. Um, some of, of the first Christ followers in Africa, they, they had this deep and abiding prayer life. Such a huge part of the life. And, and in Africa, they would have their own kind of spot in the thicket where they would go and pray. You know, this is the, my, their little, almost their little prayer closet. It was just, you know, in, in the thicket there. And over time, 
that path to their place of prayer would get well worn down, just like the trail would be worn down. And as a result, they could tell if one of their brothers or sisters started to neglect their prayer life, it was soon became really apparent to everybody else that, that someone was struggling. And so they had this kind phrase they would offer to their brothers and sisters. And they'd say something like, Sister, the grass grows on your path. Basically saying it seems that you're not really taking the path of prayer anymore right now. And I think that question could be asked of us. What about your path, the path of prayer? Maybe you're just starting out your path of prayer, just beginning to lay down the grass, or maybe, maybe you've had a path of prayer, but it's been overgrown due to lack of use. But for all of us, God wants to make our prayer paths better because he wants us to know him better to experience his love in a greater way. So could I just encourage you today to begin right where you are when it comes to prayer, right in, in this season of time, to begin to, to, to seek God when it comes to prayer? It might look like you just decide, I'm going to get up 15 minutes early. I'm just going to spend time in a conversation with Jesus. Maybe you'd say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to join us here at Cove Church on Friday mornings at, at 7 a.m. Every Friday, we, we, we pray here at Cove Church. Maybe it's, maybe it's just, I'm going to refuse to run ahead and, and do my own thing, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to be investing in this relationship, this conversation with Jesus, and I'm going to actually listen to Jesus' answer when I ask him things. Whatever it is, it's only going to happen if it comes out of a heart of desperation. We've been through so much. It would be such a shame that we didn't get desperate for God. This is how we take the path. This is how we invest and build that relationship. Saying, I, I need you, God. So if I could challenge you, begin. Or begin again today. As Jesus told us of the temple, he said the temple was where the Holy Spirit was. And he said that our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, that my life is, is, is the house of God. So the question for each of us is this, is this house, my house, a house of prayer? Is it a house of relationship with Jesus that reveals who God is and restores who we are and releases what God does? And if you see gaps there when you look at your house, just like I do, Jesus is inviting us to something greater. Not just because of what your prayers will accomplish in your circumstance, but because of what your prayers will accomplish between you and God. I would end then today with this declaration from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Friends, we're so often tempted to look down in life, to live as though we're on our own. God's encouragement to us today. 
would you lift up your eyes? Would you look up? And for all of us, that then becomes a place to begin. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.